the path doesn't have to be straight. We have enough information that we can value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome, everyone, to the We Get Real AF podcast and our special career segment, Profesh Sesh. I'm Sue Robinson. And I'm Vanessa Alava. You asked and we listened. You wanted more support, more resources, and we are here with our talent specialist, Elisa Walters, every week covering all things career. That's right. I am so excited to be talking career development, growth, mentorship, all the good things. So let's dive in. So one of our previous episodes of Profesh Sesh, we covered behavioral-based interviews, but there are a couple other different types of interview processes that Elisa is going to inform us about today um, that some I have never heard of, and I'm eager to understand the process. So Elisa, give us the lowdown. What are the different types of um, interviews that we can expect to see as we potentially figure out our next move? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're seeing this shift right in um, talent acquisition, um, where you know the the emphasis is in the T versus the the little A. Um, and I think that organizations and attracting talent are really looking for more creative ways to make informed hiring decisions that also eliminate any kind of biases in the decision. So. We've heard time and time again, you know, we've, we've talked about behavioral-based interview at length, which you should go listen to if you haven't. Uh, but we, you know, we've also hear about situational type interviews, open-ended, where it's a little bit more conversational and back and forth. Um, but what we are starting to see more of are assessment interviews, project-based interviews, blind interviewing and um, also gamification, which is something that um, any of our, our gamer listeners should get excited about because it's all about game design. I'll start there. Um, we are seeing, you know, um, from, from a broader perspective, gamification is where a company is trying to engage with their audience from a marketing standpoint. We see something like Domino's Pizza, where they want you to engage and, and name that pizza, if you will. Um, but now we're looking at it as, you know, how can that be involved in the recruitment process? How can we engage people using game theory and different types of game design to digitally engage and motiv- motivate people to achieve goals? And some people, their style of, of expressing themselves might be through something more creative like a game. So this is something that we can really pull from somebody, their skill set, in, in a style like gamification and using those different kind of mechanics to, to engage our candidates. And they've actually coined that phrase recruitainment. So it's gamification and recruitment 
Um, so that that's that's gamification. A few months ago, well, we had interviewed someone to potentially be on the show who had come up with a really interesting game through virtual reality for recruiters to use for their companies. And something really interesting she said is that obviously if you're doing an interview or conducting an interview with a company, it's because you're interested in a specific role. However, through gamification, since they're able to see such a like a broad brush of the things that you're good at, that if you're not a good fit for this particular role, they know the things that you are good at. And if you're a good fit overall with like personality assessment, that they'll tap you for the next role that, you know, that becomes available if you're a good fit based on your skill set, which I think is really great. I think it's brilliant. What kind of industries are using gamification? Is that really cutting edge? Is that more tech industries? Where are you seeing that? I don't think it's specifically industry based as it is so much as it's going to be a lot of the the newer, bigger companies that A, have a budget to throw into a recruitment process like that or gamification in general across their organization. Um, but we are seeing, you know, the likes of that in some of the, the bigger companies like Google. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see how, how it continues to trickle down. Elisa, do you see this kind of cross-pollinating with the blind interview too, so that potentially if you are given a game, a game situation as part of the recruitment process, that they don't know the gender, the race, that you're just that player within the environment? Are you, are you saying that? Uh, yeah, I definitely see that. And I think, you know, to the, to the uh, guests that you had on, on the podcast who is working on programs like this, I think there's going to be a lot of cross-functionality between these platforms and really trying to figure out how to maximize them. And it, it's really going to come down to an organization um, really recognizing how the how much of an impact it's going to make and and be able to utilize that and some people you know some organizations not people per se but organizations have an idea of how they want to continue these interviewing initiatives and they don't want to really step outside of that because that has worked for them and that's what they want to continue to you know to to use um, and then from a budget standpoint, there are companies that are just like, this isn't something we can do right now for whatever reason. But I do think we're going to see the, the cross-pollination, the cross-functionality of these, you know, blind interviewing and gamification and coming together. Okay, so then let's move on to blind interviewing. And what do you mean exactly by that? Blind interviewing is definitely going to be something that occurs earlier on in the process uh, where there are systems and um, programs that are being created, AI type things that actually remove the person's information from their resume, their application, um, and solely list their skills. So what's happening is a hiring team will evaluate solely on somebody's experience, their skill set, and in return, this can help eliminate those biases in, in deciding who they want to hire. So they're taking off, you know, education is being removed, um, location, all of those things where somebody could unconsciously say, this isn't somebody who's going to work because they don't have this education or they're based here. Base, it's based solely on what the skills and experience are listed on the resume. So I wonder what kind of company 
realistically, hires for positions where they don't need to know how much education the person has. I think that we are starting to see that, look, if you, you know, you are a lawyer, yes, we need to see that you went to school, you have a JD, you, you've completed the bar. Um, but I think, you know, as uh, there are so many industries where the emphasis on education, and I don't want to discredit education, it's so valuable, it's so important, but it's not front and center. I, I have conversations every day with candidates. And for me, it's more of if it's listed on their resume and they said they've, they've graduated, I'm just going to say, oh, and I see you, you know, you've graduated from here, you know, just to have them confirm, yes, they graduated because I have seen candidates fail a background check because they've lied about education on their background. Hmm. Because they're so afraid that having no education listed on their on their resume is going to eliminate them from the candidate pool. That's an interesting point. And I see where you're coming from because this is a tech podcast. A lot of people in technology, as brainy as they are, some of them don't complete college or get out of high school and get right into starting their own company. And um, it's not, to your point, devaluing education, but it's just they've acquired skills in other ways. And I feel that we're going to start seeing the potentially the college diploma become more of these certificates that you can acquire. There are these boot camps and uh, incubator programs and all of that that you can start acquiring these uh, different certificates versus one track. Now, do I think if you're a doctor or to your point, a lawyer, do you need certain credentials? Absolutely. But if you're going into a field like entertainment or tech or something a little more nimble that you need a creative brain for or whatever, and you have acquired the skills in a different way, um, there should be a way to show that in a way that you can say, yeah, I took a few classes at this, this university, but I dropped out and I went to an incubator program and I acquired mm -hmm. this. And there should be a way to articulate that in a resume where it stands out. Different career paths require different types of skills, some of which maybe are more university-centric and others which are, to your point, Vanessa, learning coding or, or things like that. So mm -hmm. it's a different world. Yep. It is. And I think that, you know, this is a, another topic too, is, uh, you know, education. And I have a younger brother who, um, and we, you know, we talked about gamification. Um, growing up, he, he was not interested in school and um, in the standard education uh, trajectory. And he was, He's also very introverted, but he's also Mensa. And he because he didn't follow this trajectory and have a high school, a traditional high school diploma and take a college route, a lot of doors didn't open up for him. But he went back to school to get his GED because he had to. And now he's working for one of the top tech companies in the country, in the world, a, a product that we are probably all using right now, whether it's our phone or our computer. And he doesn't have, you know, a, a, a master's in engineering or anything like that. But if you sat him down in front of a strategy game for to play a video game, he could go the next day and take a test if it was based on all the information from his video game and get, you know, off the chart grades. So it's, it's interesting how different people learn and mm -hmm. different people process. And, you know, it's 
yeah, again, not devaluing education, but um, there are certain skills that can't be taught in, in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the job training. Yep. Yeah. Well, moving on to the next uh, interview type, what do we have on the on the roster here? Project-based, right? Project-based interviewing. That's one of the targeted ways that um, companies are really getting a chance to see how a potential candidate can do in the role and how they would work with others is to assess them through a project-based interview. And there are different ways that a project-based interview can happen. It can happen on a candidate's own time where it's scheduled and then they come back and they report back on their results. Or it can also happen on the spot where a, a you know a, an, an interviewer may ask them on the spot to do a small project um, to you know to to kind of showcase how they how they would do in in that environment where they're asked to do it right away. And the benefits it provides insight for both the candidate to see what they're potentially coming into, and also the hiring team would get the a, a sense of, of how this, this candidate would do if they're in the role. A candidate would be able to show them versus just sitting there and, and telling them what they could potentially do. Mm-hmm. One of my daughter's uh, friends graduating from college had a project-based interview, and she really liked it because she knew ahead of time what was expected of her so she could prepare her best work. It gave her, to your point, an insight into what she would be doing if she was hired, and she could put her best foot forward, and, and the company could also see you know, how, how she would handle something like that. So I think that's a really smart way uh, for certain types of jobs to um, interview people and qualify a candidate. I like that. Do we have one more? The assessment interview. And I think that the assessment interview is is similar to the behavior, the, the project-based interview, but there might be a couple more steps in it. So the assessment's actually done in an in-person or digital interview format where there's an informational session where the interviewer gets to assess from a, you know, a very uh, surface level conversation what this this candidate skill set could be. Um, there might be a group ice breaking session where it's a group interview breaking the ice and and having somebody come into the the environment not feeling nervous or not feeling like, you know, um, it can be scary to walk into an interview, whether on Zoom or or in person with people that you don't know and have to put your best foot forward. There might be some um, different types of testing, aptitude type tests, different types of exercises, uh, different types of projects and stuff. Um, there might be an exercise that in this assessment where the candidate is asked to do something in a group with the, pot- the people that they potentially could be working with. So that again, kind of similar to the project based, would be the candidate gets to see what it would be like working with this potential team on a project, see how they all work together, assess those skills in that situation. And then also on the other side of that, the group that's working with this candidate would see the same thing, but from that perspective. Um, They may, you know, there's the, the ask of the presentation, potentially a written task, and then more of a of an in-person finalized interview. So an assessment is is probably a little bit more involved. Um, some organizations will bring somebody in and it's a full day of interviews where this person will start 
at 9 a.m., be there all day until 5. They're meeting with this person and that person, and they're doing a group ice-breaking session, or they're doing a group presentation, and then they might have a lunch break during all of that, but um, but it, it can be pretty involved. And uh, I know some of the, the uh, major streaming companies and, and technology companies are um, have assessment-style interviews. So with assessment style interviews, I remember I had a similar situation when I was living in California. It was like on the fourth round of me taking time off in a short period of time, because again, this is like a week, a week off, a week on, a week off. So how do you set boundaries and how do you be transparent when you're saying, hey, I'm really interested, but I also don't have days upon days to, you know, commit to this type of interview? Um, where's the happy medium? I think that's a, a great question in those initial conversations. If you know that um, you would be potentially moving forward in the process is getting a sense from the, the recruiter, hiring manager, whoever it is you're speaking with in that informational interview and in that, in that very first phone screen um, and get a sense of, what is the interview process going to be like? What, you know, what, what can I expect? How much time is expected during this process? Because in full transparency, I have a full-time job. This is important to me and I just need to understand what's going to be expected. I personally believe in, and what my experience has been in this process is four to five people is enough people to make an informed decision in an interview process. I think that there are also laws in different states where if a candidate is coming in and doing all of these things in an interview process, it does it does toe the line of, does this candidate need to be paid for their time because we're asking them to do work? Mm-hmm. And we have seen lawsuits against some of um, the big companies that come in and expect this candidate to do this and that and this and that. And we're paying, you know, we're we're demanding a lot for somebody's somebody's time at that point. So I think level setting the expectation in that initial phone screen is going to be really important. And I think that that's also something as you're assessing as a potential employee of this company, because... You don't want to give them free labor, right? The whole point is to get paid here. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, yeah, and it's a red flag. If they're the, like this before you even get in, how is it going to be when you get in? Yeah. Like... Am I ever going to be able to please these people? You know? Yeah. Exactly. And I think that I think that there are so many ways to to be able to maximize a candidate's time but being mindful of their time and their effort mm-hmm. that they're putting into this process. For for me when I have a kickoff with a hiring manager and we're talking about an interview panel and and what's going to be involved, it, you know, it's that's one of the things that the expectation I set with them is, you know, we are, we need to understand that people are giving up their time to interview for this and we have to be mindful of their time. And I think at the end of the day, for all of these styles of interviews, it comes back to being assertive and asking questions, asking your recruiter, whoever's running the interview process, can you let me know what to expect? What does this process look like? And also, you know, when you're preparing to go into this into the interview, this goes without saying, be prepared. Do your research on the company. Get a sense of what kind of projects that they work on that you might work on as an employee. Um, 
because that's just no matter what style of interview it's going to be, that's going to make you more of a standout candidate as well. Awesome. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.wegetrealaf.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.